hug off the platform, everybody, with the rule. No platform hugs. Hey, Dr. Healy. Um, okay, so really, here's, here's what just happened is you just heard the sermon. I mean, that's, that, you just heard the sermon from today. So I, I, all we're going to do is we're going to go back through the scripture and, and we're going to kind of highlight some things that you just saw happen in the lives of some of our dearest friends, uh, Kevin and Grace. And, and, and when I, you know, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about this concept of God's grace, his, his unmerited favor, his free goodness, the way he gives kindness away and shows us uh, favor even when we don't deserve it. We've, we've been talking about the way that impacts family. You remember that? The way that impacts our relationships with one another. Last week on Baptism Sunday, we talked about uh, the way that that impacts you personally. And today, here's what we're talking about. Grace and the nations. Grace and the nations. God's grace... And, and, and every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and what that means for the nations. What God's free, unmerited favor means. And so when I thought about this topic, grace and the nations, I immediately, my mind immediately went to 2 Corinthians 5, which Kevin quoted a minute ago, for the love of Christ compels us. So here's what we're going to do in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, we're going to read the last two verses because the last two verses are Paul's conclusion. He kind of builds this argument throughout the whole text, brick by brick, piece by piece. He builds this argument. And then the last two verses are kind of his conclusion. And we're going to unpack what that conclusion is. We're going to say, okay, here's what Paul is charging us to do. Here's what he's calling us to do. Then I'm going to tell you a couple of the things that, that Paul gives to us in terms of motivation. Why would I conclude this? Why would, I, why would I charge you with this? Why would I call you to this, to be God's ambassadors uh, and be God's representatives to the nations? And here's a couple of motivations. And, and then here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5 in its entirety to close. Because there's nothing better than just reading the word of God. <laughs> so let's pray real quickly and then we're going to get into the passage together. God, we just have a few moments uh, remaining, and yet you can speak in any length of time. So God, would you impress upon our minds and our hearts today a passion to see your grace and your, and your goodness and your glory proclaimed to the very ends of the earth. Speak in and through your word today, O God, in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 is, I don't know, three quarters of the way through, give or take, maybe 80% of the way through your Bible. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church in a city called Corinth. They were real messed up. It was like Las Vegas 2,000 years ago. Not kidding. They were just a, an absolute mess. But as he pastors them and as he shepherds them and as he walks them through that messy process, he begins to call them and he, and he talks about his own personal calling to, to make much of Jesus uh, to them and to the nations. And he calls them to join in that work. 2 Corinthians 5, and, and here's what we're going to do. Again, we're going to look at the conclusion. This is, this is Paul's final thought, just so we know exactly where he's taking us, and then we'll get back and we'll go through the passage a bit by bit. Here's Paul's conclusion. Last two verses, verse 20. He says, therefore, anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you should ask yourself, what is it? That's absolutely correct. He's saying, here is my argument, and, and so therefore, as a result, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Three things, three things that Paul tells us in his conclusion, three things we want to pick out of those two verses. The first is this, that Paul calls us, he says, therefore we are God's what? Ambassadors. He says, we are God's representatives. That word ambassadors there in the original language is presbuo, not presbuyo, but presbuo. It it means representative, it means ambassador, it it, it means uh, to function as a representative of a ruling authority. And look look how many ways Paul says, put that scripture up there, look how many ways Paul says it here. He, he, He says it three or four different ways so that we know that we are ambassadors, representatives. He he says that we are ambassadors for Christ. He says this is not our appeal, but God makes his appeal through us. Then Paul appeals to us on behalf of Christ. If that's not clear, I I don't know what else we can do here. Paul is saying we, we do this on behalf of Christ. We are God's representative. We are God's ambassador. We speak what he tells us to speak. In other words, this is not my message. This is not my voice. This is not my church. This is not my job. These are not my skills, gifts, or abilities. This is not my time on this planet. I am simply a delegate of a higher authority. I'm a representative. So it's really not up to me what I should say or not say, where I go or what I do or how I spend, where I live, where I work. I answer to a higher authority. I'm his representative. I'm his ambassador. I speak what he tells me to speak. I act, live, and love on his behalf. I am his representative. And guess what? So are you. So are you. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are his representative. You are his delegate speaking his message no matter where you go. We are God's representatives. So if we're God's representatives speaking his message, what is he asking us to do? That's the second thing that Paul tells us in verse 20. He says, you are making God's appeal. You're making God's appeal. Look at verse 20. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. So what is God's appeal? That us ambassadors, us representatives, what what appeal are we making? We appeal to you, we implore you, we beg you, be reconciled to God. That's God's appeal, is an appeal to reconciliation. So that, that word reconciliation, it's got some implications, doesn't it? A reconciled relationship means that there was once a relationship to begin with. See, God created you and me to be in relationship with him. He made us in his image so that we would walk with him. And he did so for every individual from here to wherever and whenever and as far as you want to go. And that relationship has been fractured. It's been broken. There's a canyon in between us and God. There's a canyon in between the nations and God. There's a canyon in between every individual on this planet and God who has not been recognized reconciled to him in and through Jesus Christ. So first, there was a relationship. Second, that relationship was broken. And third, one of those two parties is initiating reconciliation. 
one of those two parties is begging and pleading for a restored relationship. So we are God's representatives making God's appeal. We are God's representatives making God's appeal. So if his appeal is to reconciliation and restoration, how is he going to accomplish that? How in the world would God restore a broken relationship? Well, he does it the way he does everything else, by his grace. We are God's representatives making God's appeal for the sake of God's grace. Look at verse 21. Paul says, this is his conclusion now, for our sake, for you and me, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus knew no sin and God made him to be sin. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So when the relationship was broken and it was you and I who broke it, when all of humanity ran away from God, God provided for reconciliation. He provided a perfect substitute in his son, Jesus. He died the death that was meant for you and me. He took the shame that was ours. He bore the penalty on the cross so that our relationship with God might be restored. Does that sound familiar to you? It should. Because it's the definition of grace that we've been talking about for the last four weeks. Look up here on the screen. This is what God did. He, he extended free kindness, undeserved goodness, unmerited favor. When we broke it, when we ran away, when the nations ran away from God, God sent his son Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God and be reconciled unto him. So here's what Paul is saying in the last two verses of 1 Corinthians 5. Here's our bottom line truth today. And if you're taking notes, jot this down. Jot this down. Paul's saying this. We are God's representative, representatives making God's appeal to those who need God's grace. We are, you and me, our church, Bayview Glen, we are, we are God's representatives, his ambassadors, his delegates, making God's appeal, speaking God's message to those who desperately need God's grace. This is his ultimate charge for the Corinthian church. This, this is his calling. And guess what? This is his calling for us today. This is what God is calling us to today, to be God's representatives, making God's appeal to those who need God's grace. Now, in the first service, because we ran out of time, I basically preached the first half of my message. I'm going to give you guys the second half, okay? So then if you want the full thing, go back and listen to the podcast. We'll, we'll post part one and part two, all right? I don't, I don't know. We'll do something. So here's what Paul does, because, and, and I, want you, I want you to, real quickly, we're going to zip through these so that when I read the entire passage, when I read the entire chapter in a minute, you'll see five motivations that Paul gives the Corinthian church. You're going to see five. Five reasons why you would be God's ambassador, God's representative, making God's appeal to those who desperately need God's grace. Here's the five motivations he gives. First, he says, I'm not at home here. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm a stranger. I'm living in a tent right now that I call a body, but God has prepared for me an eternal home. If Paul was here this morning, he would say, when's the last time you washed a rental car? You don't. You take care of your own stuff. Rental cars is, is, is a vehicle 
literally, that gets you to a destination. Same thing as this earthly body. It's just a tent. One day you're going to pull up stakes, and you're going to pick up your tent, and you're going to go home. So, so when Paul says you're God's representative making God's appeal to those who need God's grace, who desperately need God's grace, he's like, why would you concentrate on the rental car you're in now? Why would you concentrate on the tent you're in now? Let's invest in that eternal home, amen? That's motivation number one. Motivation number two, it shows up in verse 10. We'll read it in a minute. I'm preparing to give an account. One day, what Paul says, one day, you and I, even as believers, we will stand before what's called the Bema Seat of Christ. It's not the great white throne of judgment. We'll talk about that another time. It's the Bema Seat of Christ. And the Bema Seat, judgment seat, so Bema was the word in the Greek when Paul says when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That word is Bema. And the Bema Seat was where somebody rewarded an athlete in the Olympics. For those who performed well, they would go before a Bema seat, and the judge on the Bema seat would put a crown, likely of leaves, on their head and say, You did great today. You performed well today. So here's what Paul is saying One day I will stand before that, that judge who sits on a Bema seat, and his desire is to reward me for what I did in this life. He is a good and gracious judge. He's rooting for me, he's cheering for me, and one day I'll stand before him and I will have to give an account for what I did with my time, my money, my energy, for every idle word. And his desire will be to reward me for what I did in this life. And when I stand before him, I want to say, I got busy about your mission. That's what I want to say. I hope you do too. Number three. Number three. Paul says, the reason we're God's representatives, making God's appeal for those who need God's grace is because we're compelled by Christ's love we are held together by Christ's love. It's our catalyst, it's our motivation, it's our fuel. Number four, fourth motivation that you'll see when we read it all the way through in a minute is that I'm different than I used to be. I used to be about me, now I'm about Jesus. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. People quote that verse, a lot of people quote that verse. Anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You know what's in the funny thing is it's in the context of being a minister of reconciliation, being God's ambassador, making God's appeal to those who need God's grace. So, so listen, being a new creation is both motivation. I'm so excited that I'm a new creation. I got to, I got to tell somebody about it. Being a new creation is motivation for being God's ambassador, God's representative, making God's appeal to those who need God's grace. But it's also the only reason you and I could do it because the old us wouldn't have done it. And God says, all right, I'll give you a new you. Make that problem go away. You're a new creation now. And what that means is you're my ambassador. You're my delegate. Number five. And I love this one. You'll see it in a minute when we read it. I've been entrusted with a message. I've been entrusted with a message. And that message is of a loving God who sent his son, who made provision, who sought restoration. When we ran from him, he ran after us. Now, that's a good God. And God has entrusted that message. Now that we've been reconciled unto him, he's entrusted that ministry and that message of reconciliation to us. 
It's like when you entrust something valuable or you entrust money to someone else, you go like, it's valuable, take care of it. God says this message of, of, of restoration and reconciliation, church, listen, it's been given to us. The ministry and the message of reconciliation. Let's make much of Jesus and speak about the reconciliation and the restoration that God offers. Second Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read it in its entirety. It's up here on the screen. Why are we God's representatives making God's appeal for those who desperately need God's grace? Why? For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. Listen to this. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. <laughs> this is so, it's just so rich. So we're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Why? For we must all appear before the judgment seat, bema seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not what's in the heart. Verse 13. This is my own commentary. We'll go back and just keep reading. Paul just says, you, you want to be God's ambassador? Stay a little crazy for God. Stay a little crazy. Do crazy stuff. Listen, verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. Read that again. For if we are beside ourselves, if we do things that seem loopy, move to the Arabian Peninsula, share the gospel with a friend who desperately needs it, share our own personal Jesus story, invite somebody to Christmas Eve service, give sacrificially to where it costs us something. It's going to seem like we're loopy. And if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. For if we are in our right mind, it's for you. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all 
that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Pray with me. God, even as we conclude this morning and sing those lyrics that he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become your righteousness. God, impress upon our hearts once again this message that you've entrusted to us, that you are appealing to the world to be reconciled unto you. And not only that, that you've provided your son Jesus to bridge that gap to die the death that was meant for us, uh, to, to live a perfect life, to, to rise again after being crucified so that he conquered hell and death. And God, we live not to ourselves anymore, but unto you, your representatives making your appeal to those who desperately need your grace. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's stand together and sing as we conclude.